0: You know, we've been doing this podcast for a while now. You know who we can thank for making it a lot easier? Who's that? They're actually the sponsors of this episode, Podcorn. I'm happy to be sponsored by them. They've made things a lot easier for us. With free startup and the ability to access a vast marketplace, connecting us with amazing sponsorship opportunities.
1: Yeah, I was checking out their website the other day, and I was actually blown away at all the connections I could tap into, like interview segments and uh, topical discussions.
0: Yeah, one of the great things that I found with them is that there's no middleman. We're able to get on there and set our own prices, rates and terms. And with Podcorn, they're really here for us, making sure that we are protected and compensated for the work that we do for our brand. Sounds like they're really looking out for their podcasters. They really seem to be. Our first proposal didn't go so well and Podcorn being the amazing company that they are, they reached out to us to give us another chance at a proposal. We know a lot of you are interested in starting a podcast or have already started one and not really sure how to start making money. I'm here to tell you that Podcorn's the way to go.
1: Listening to the rough and tumble podcast.
0: I just went ahead and click record. We're recording. We're going. Yeah,
1: yeah. I figured it as much. I saw. I saw Craig come in the room, and then he he told everybody he was recording. Dun da, da dun! He's our he's our producer. Yeah. Slash, no wait, Stephanie's our producer. What is Craig?
0: Craig is our engineer. We'll call him our engineer. That's
1: right. He's our engineer.
0: Uh, Craig's not. Oh, there's a, the bird again. A real person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope that comes through clear too. That's gonna be awesome. Stephanie has a
0: bird in her. Uh inner audio i guess i was telling um i was telling mitch outside my window i think it's lovely it adds like an ambiance you know
1: it really does it's just it's like we're doing an outdoor podcast
0: right it makes us all feel like we're together you know it's like a i need to change the lighting in here to make it look like sunshine and uh, (laughs) (laughs) um i was telling i was telling mitch earlier in the week Wait, when did we talk, Mitch? For some reason, we were talking about this. Did we what all about get the bird? on? No, about um our last epi- our last episode, how like it was recording and cutting out. Um, yeah. At like crucial moments when it and so I ended up, one of the things that I ended up saying was like racist, kill him. <laughs> you know, <what laughs> I was trying to talk about a video game, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it totally made me look. Here we'll, we need to have our... a dog
1: trying to get the bird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna be muting myself
1: most of this. No, no, no. no, it's fine, it's fine.
0: We should animate this part of the uh, the episode. That'd <laughs> yeah, be Just you remember, I was talking about that. <laughs> it
1: just a cartoon
0: Stephanie gets fired.
1: KM, a cartoon and... Stephanie on her bed, and like there's just like chaos going on around her. Like there's a dog in the corner chasing a a bird around, <laughs> yeah. and then like. it's like chaos and stuff
0: it's like y'all been in my
1: house i feel like i have been
0: it sounds a lot like my house Bubba will see like
1: your roommate like three times on accident through the
0: podcast (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) um Bubba will like at the back window we'll see a rabbit and just like start barking you know how his bark like just penetrates your soul um Dude, it just it gets me every time. Like I nearly throw like, <laughs> whatever's in my hand.
1: <laughs> it's so funny because he's literally just saying,
0: "Hey, hey, hey, come look at this! Come look yeah. at this! Hey, <laughs> hey!" hey. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's something else. We have a uh, so this is uh, this is episode two in our series right. of uh of renegades of martial arts. This one we're covering Mitsuya Mitsuya Maeda. I'm going to screw that up so many times. That's all right. Um, that's just a by his, mouthful. Uh, Mitsuya known Maeda. as uh,
1: by his stage name as uh, <coughs> Kandikoma.
0: Yeah, I've never, I don't know how to say that either. I don't want to screw that up.
1: Yeah, but... I've I'd, I'd done extensive research, uh, and not, not to take away from what Stephanie sent us uh, for the show notes and stuff, but um, I already grew up in this kind of, history, I guess you could call it, you know, and, um, and I I thought I knew a pretty good bit. Um, but there's a whole lot more about Maeda that a lot of people don't realize. Um, and when you start learning more about Kano, which we did in the last episode and more about Maeda and his life and what it, what it was that he did, you can almost start to see that there was a little, uh, the, the connection between Maeda and the Gracies is not, uh, what what we were led to believe that it was as far as their um their time together it was a they actually had a very short amount of time together which we'll talk about later in the episode but it it's kind of interesting Spoiler, going right? through all the research and stuff and learning that um that he was he was uh in fact we'll actually talk about this too um if it wasn't for american racism toward japanese um the, the history of jujitsu may have been completely different um to the point where we may have been calling it American jiu-jitsu instead of Brazilian jiu-jitsu.
0: That's true. Yeah. Um so, speaking of so uh, he was the also the first uh, he's like the the first prize fighter as far as I know. Like one of the No, first, so that uh, was fighters. that was actually really?
1: misunderstood. Um, okay. I found that out. A lot of those guys actually were doing that. There was a whole group of uh, of those Japanese guys that were going um, all over Europe, America, Cuba, Mexico, places like that, um, touring and, and trying to spread Judo and, um, to different parts of the world. Um, and a lot of them were doing prize fighting
0: mm-hmm. because
1: there was no money to be made. Um, Maeda, the reason he became most famous for it was because, and it never really talks about why he couldn't handle his finances, but the dude sucked with money, like super bad. Mm-hmm. and, um, because of that, he always found himself in a position where he needed money, and that's where the prize fighting really picked up for him um was just his i mean it never talks about him being an alcoholic or 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 having a gambling problem or anything like that. you know it just for some reason he just always needed money, yeah, and he openly admitted it in his biography or the biography that was written about him.
0: no well, it seems I always need money too, <laughs> uh, speaking of which we're now officially uh sponsored were prize podcasters yes i went back and listened to i can't wait for the ads to (laughs) to air i don't know why they approved it it sounds so forced
1: (laughs) really the one we recorded (laughs) yeah
0: i went back and listened and i was like oh man this sounds so forced but uh you know what whatever i don't care um we can (laughs) re-record it we're gonna i think we're gonna pitch to them again but um (laughs) This is a sponsored episode by Podcorn. Oh yeah.
1: Do Um, we have to talk about that or does it like is an automatic thing or
0: No, I mean like the ad that we run at the beginning um Mm -hmm. is pretty much it. And like so I mean we can talk about it. There's no reason not to, but basically it's um like I typed up a script of what I thought like a you know an ad should sound like for them. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And um sent it to them, and they were like, yeah, that looks great. Um, Go ahead and record something and send it over. And we took forever on it. And then they messaged us back and was like, hey, do you still want to do this? So then we finally sent them a recorded commercial over. I, like, layered some music behind it. And then uh, they were like, yeah, that's great. We'll send you money. And that's it. I mean, like, super, super easy. So... But, uh, yeah,
1: see, all, all you other sponsors that uh, were waiting to pull the trigger, you missed your chance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we're, the, we're big time now. Things are yeah, different. We're
1: big time. Our rates have changed dramatically. Uh,
0: uh, you can't see this right now because we don't have an episode, but actually the whole studio is actually entirely covered in gold. Um, yeah, it's
1: really weird. It was really hard to find a gold... Um, also, we are terrible uh, with rug. money.
0: And <laughs> we just... We just uh, caked everything in gold like that gold yeah. film stuff that you can put on toilets or whatever have you seen that no it's like a foil that you can wrap around the toilet and then put like a heat gun to it and it like molds to the toilet so it looks like you you have like a chrome toilet or whatever
1: i might give myself a gold toilet for father's day
0: yeah wouldn't that be awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah all you need is a heat gun and some whatever that foil stuff is i don't know what it is but uh, <laughs> anyways, back to our Mitsuya Maeda episode. <laughs> um, I don't. So I I've done some reading on Maeda as far as like his uh, his journey into Brazil, and I think that the the most interesting thing that stands out to me about all of this is like the dynamic in which uh, all of it came up in Brazil was really weird and interesting like because it basically came up through like circus acts you know like they had like yeah. prize fights yeah, or whatever that, good
1: that's one um that's one version of how he came into contact with the gracies um but in other places it doesn't really um other parts of the of depending on the source some sources talk about that with the circus and stuff and and how um carlos gracie's dad was like a um, a businessman with this particular circus.
0: His um, name was Gustavo.
1: Yeah, Gracie, and and Maeda had done a demonstration at the circus, mm. uh, kind of like a strongman, you know, whatever, and um, for judo, and that's kind of where the connection was made. But it's it's touch and go on that version of the story, and then even that personal version of the story changes because on one side, uh, Gustavo saw this demonstration and supposedly Carlos Gracie saw it and fell in love with judo and said, daddy, 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 I need to learn judo. And then there's another end of the spectrum that says, no, Gustavo met him, met Maida, saw the demonstration and thought that actually might help my piece of shit son over here who can't keep his head on. His <laughs> yeah. So I need you to go teach my son, my 14 year old son, Carlos judo and jujitsu because he needs discipline in his life and I can't control him.
0: And he um, supposedly begged him. I'm not even talking about the connections with the Gracie's. Um, oh, yet, you're though. talking about in general. In, with, with his life. That- uh, yeah, his life in general. Um, from what I understand, he, like, what he was, one of the things that he was doing throughout Brazil was like doing these basically circus acts of um, like Greco Roman wrestling. Uta Livre kind of stuff versus, uh, Jiu Jitsu or Judo, that kind of thing. Um, and so he, that's, I guess how he came up. I like, I, I don't really under, I don't know how things worked back then. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. what point in that, in his life was he doing that? Like touring with the circus and, uh, and doing well, these challenges or whatever.
1: He, uh, he came to America with, like I said, like a group of, uh, before he ever went to Brazil, um, he was sent to America by Kano, like Kano, you know, cause he went through and they wanted to, to promote, uh, the Kodokan and stuff like that. So, um, a guy named Tomita went to, I don't, I don't know the guy how to say his name, obviously, cause I, I suck at Japanese. Um, but they went to America and they did their demonstrations and stuff like that. And, uh, um, they went to West point and did a little demonstration. And then there was a, with that being said, so they, they did their whole thing in America and they, they went to West point and did that. And some of the things and supposedly, um, Teddy Roosevelt was like one of the students and like trained and stuff like that, that kind of, that turned out to be completely false. Like there, there's no evidence to support that whatsoever. Um, but there's a whole story that talks about his first trip to America and he went to the, the Naval Academy and stuff like that. And, um, um
0: who's making up these rumors about
1: i know right like it's like everybody wants to be a part of the story um yeah and i think that's what it is i think i think people um depending on who they want the the hero of the story to be they implement or they they uh, put in those details about that character to give that character credit for what happened you know and i think that's what really was happening here people also seem to
0: do it in reverse though too like um you know, even with the, even with the Gracie stuff, um, you, I think that people are, are either like the Gracie worshipers or they're people that like just absolutely hate them and they're scumbags and they're the worst thing on, on the planet. There's no like in between, uh, group with it, you know? And like, that's probably where reality kind of settles in between all of the myths. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And, and as you were saying that, um, I was I was that that martial artist. I, I swung so far and left with this story um, over my last thirteen years in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And you know, coming up for eight years, I was I was in the the cult side of it on the Gracie side, and then uh, transitioned um, over to the hater side. And now, as as I've done more research into Mastrellio and those guys and the Gracie family, you know, and reading interviews and stuff about with with Elio and stuff. I've kind of settled back <clears throat> back in on the middle ground because the reality is uh, regardless of how the Gracies um handled their business, you know, as far as only teaching the rich in Rio and all this stuff, it doesn't change the fact that Master Elio was a true martial artist. Like he he wanted to fully embody the samurai spirit and he took a lot of pride in having um a Japanese teacher teach him the art that he was trying to, you know, promote. So you have to, I have to respect that piece. And so, you know, we, I think the haters come from the side of thinking that, you know, the, um, the same reason that, 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 um, Democrats hate Republicans, you know, and vice versa, you know, yeah. it's, I think that's really what it comes down to. It's an ideology thing versus anything more than looking at it and going, Hey, look, man, they were the Gracie's family were still great samurais and martial artists, and they still put their lives on the line and their, their names on the line to, to promote this art, you know, regardless of the other politics behind it, you know, we can't, you know, Elio didn't, didn't choose to grow up in the family he grew up in. He, he was, that was where he was born. Same thing with Oswald Fada and, and Luis Franco when we get into that one next, uh, next episode. But so you can't blame them for utilizing what tools were available to them based on who their family was and, and the money they had and stuff like that. You know, they, you know right we we know people like that you know we know you and i personally we know uh a particular individual that would you know
0: i hate when we start talking about background. particular huh? individuals i hate when we start talking about particular individuals
1: i know because my point is
0: those particular yeah. individuals always like come up to me or something <laughs> <laughs> <I> guess,
1: <laughs> that's called guilt uh, <laughs> yeah no this this person um Came from that, you know, a, a background with a little bit more ability than others. But at the same time, that individual also put in legitimate work. You can't take away that person's accomplishments and the things that they did. Right. Just because they had the means that other people didn't have. You yeah. know, like there's still a middle ground where you still have to put in the work and you still have to go out and get the results. And no matter where your background is, that doesn't change that. You yeah. Know? So. jiu doesn't lie. Yeah, um, there you go. Exactly.
0: So here's an interesting little Thing, um, Maeda was in Brazil starting nineteen fourteen, and mm-hmm. I'm looking right now. I have I I have a choke. The Untold Story of Jujitsu in Brazil. We need to start doing like, whatever it's called. What do they put at the bottom of a of citation. a citation? Yeah, what's it called? What was it called? The, not credits. The, yeah, whatever that is. There's a name for that.
1: I feel like it's called credits, okay.
0: Whatever. So, in the credits, we need to like don't be mad at me. <laughs> uh, so a Gracie, Carlos Gracie doesn't show up in it, it, I have a whole list of members of Condicoma's troops in Brazil. Um, starting from 1914, he it was Mitsuya Maeda, Okura, Satake, Akiyama, and Matsura. That was 1914 in Sao Paulo. 1915 15 in Rio was uh, Maeda, Okura, Sataki, Shimizu, Shimizu, and Raku. I've heard a lot about Raku. Raku was like the fucking man for a little while, from what I understand. Um,
1: Sataki um, went on to become uh, Luis Franca's uh, main instructor.
0: Okay. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, I, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that name come up uh, when looking him up. There's some other dates indicate first confirmed year of ring activity. Uh, Okay, so in 1909, I guess, maybe, there was some... Oh, I guess it's just like a list of people that were doing wrestling or whatever. So anyways, Carlos Gracie didn't show up until 1931. In that same Mm -hmm. group, there are one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 other um, students or representatives, jiu representatives of Kandikoma. So, like, that's 20 other directions that jiu-jitsu could go from that Absolutely. point. Absolutely. And so, that would be interesting to see where each one of those students went or representatives went. I don't really there's like Dudu <laughs> <laughs> uh Dello Felipe Contino Asunsao Andriodi Antonio Andriodi. Yeah, there's Valdemir uh which I don't think that's the yeah, I don't know who that is but um so that's pretty wild to think and then there's also multiple years after that i guess up to yeah, and there's
1: no telling how many of those guys got their blue belt and quit anyway <laughs> yeah
0: um there's a somebody on instagram posted uh a black belt there's just a blue belt who never dipped <laughs> <laughs> um these these groups go all the way up to 1947 but Maeda died in forty one, didn't he? Yeah,
1: forty one, yeah. forty six, something like that. And his, his academy is still open in, in Japan. I mean uh in Brazil. Like yeah. he has his his uh judo his judo club is still open and, and still operating right now. So I guess um,
0: these are these are just ongoing representatives of Yeah. Um Hmm.
1: You know what's gonna happen now that we now that we brought up the fact that um Maeda's academy is still open in Brazil, because of this podcast, now yeah. everyone's gonna everyone's going to start doing Judo and then wanting to travel to Brazil to train at the Judo, you know, like with, uh, when leg locks came back into Vogue and everybody started saying, uh, Garami and, uh, Senkaku and all that. Like, we're going to start the trend of everyone training Judo now because they're going to be, it's going to be the cool thing.
0: That was also the, um, there's an argument for people to stop calling it Gracie Jiu Jitsu and start calling it Maeda Jiu Jitsu. Um,
1: well, so, that's another thing. Um, I So, you know the Valencia brothers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're I mean, they are all in it when it comes to uh, Master Elio and the Gracie family. And they did an interview where they actually said, because someone asked, like, where did the name Gracie Jiu-Jitsu come from? Why did you start calling it Gracie Jiu-Jitsu? Um, and they tell a story about um, Maeda had promoted elio gracie to black belt in judo so elio had a black belt in judo um and when he did that carlos got pissed because he felt that maeda was kind of trying to take credit for jiu-jitsu in brazil and they wanted credit for jiu-jitsu in brazil and because of the work they had done so they went from calling it you know judo or jiu-jitsu whatever to naming it gracie jiu-jitsu to draw a line in between what Maeda was doing and what they were doing. And so Carlos, as a businessman, literally felt like because Maeda was promoting Elio to black belt, he was going to take Elio's name now and use him as, you know, this platform, you know, like he created this amazing fighter, not Carlos. Yeah. And so that's when they were like, nope, we're calling it Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. We're done with that. And from here on out, you know, we're going to go on our own way.
0: Hmm. So that's um, I don't know where I fall on the argument to that. I don't really care. It is honestly, I think like, um, like we were saying in the previous episode, it seems to me that if each of these like pioneers, um, disobey in some way, shape, or form the previous, uh, their previous instructor because in this in this situation, Maeda, um was a prize fighter where we had, pre- we had mentioned previously that um, Kano was strictly against that. Mm-hmm. And um, moving forward into the, into the next episode, really um, it kind of happens again and changing it to like Gracie Jiu Jitsu or branching away from that teaching it in general because Maeda specifically had asked them supposedly had specifically asked them to not uh, teach it or share it, I guess.
1: Yeah, and and the more I'm researching, the less I'm finding that to be true, which is weird. Yeah, because um,
0: it could be another another one of those situations where people just decided that that was um, the way that it was.
1: Yeah, because the Gracies were not the only Brazilians in Brazil. They weren't even the first Brazilians in Brazil teaching jujitsu. Like that's that was the crazy part. Like there was. There were several other Brazilians who had learned ju- uh, jiu-jitsu, not judo, because judo itself, the term judo, ne- did not actually make its way to, which I thought was interesting, um, to, to Brazil until like the 40s and 50s, yeah. until it was uh, made part of Olympics. They, most of Brazilians had not heard the word judo um, at all until it was in the Olympics.
0: Well, I mean, we can even go back and look, I have this list of all of these Brazilians that are doing judo and mm-hmm. jujitsu before a Gracie is ever even brought up another Gracie name that pops up um on here in Maeda's troops which is fucking cool like
1: I know like the the I think that's cool too they call it a troop you know like yeah
0: how how awesome would it be for like you know 100 years from now they're like Mitch's Mitch Hall's troops of <laughs> jiu-jitsu fighters and then they have like a list of all your fighters that you had from year to year like dude that's legendary status bro um and they
1: they, they, they pronounce uh do they spell it t-r-o-u-p-e or whatever like like a, yeah like a troubadour almost yeah Oh, that's cool
0: um members of condi comas troops in brazil oh that's so fucking cool <laughs> we're like sitting here <laughs> all excited about it i want troops um So, yeah, another name that came up is George Gracie, and I don't don't know Mm -hmm. who that is. I haven't, I've never heard of George Gracie. George
1: Gracie, I thought, was uh, the original Gracie that came from Scotland to Brazil.
0: That could be, you know, like, maybe later on. Okay, so this is 1948 that that happened. So that's even later. Um, Oswaldo Gracie would be the next one from Carlos. That's 1939. Mm Mm-hmm. The member, the dates are kind of all mixed up here. Yeah, there's a lot of uh. And see, he's re- oh here's Elio Gracie, 1937. Um, so it sounds like Carlos did was training for what six years before so another Gracie jumped in. This is 1937, is when Elio um started. Was one of his troops or whatever. A member of one of Maeda's troops. Mm-hmm. but hmm uh, But so that's a pretty big gap.
1: One of the cool things that I, I found about Maeda, as far as his fighting style was concerned, was um, he... So Kano, from the last episode we talked about, Kano basically wanted to take all of Niwaza out of Judo because he wanted to legitima- legitimize it as a sport, as opposed to it being like a self-defense system. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, over time, um, began to take the niwaza parts out of judo, because he knew the crowds wanted to see the big epon throws, and that's what was going to draw crowds, and that was what was going to get them into the Olympics. Um, but Maeda, on the other hand, felt that niwaza was extremely important. Um, and so his style of jiu-jitsu that he taught and that he trained was a combination. It took the throws from from judo, um, the niwaza from there, and then uh, wrestling and catch wrestling. And he had like these certain moves that he used from each one of those that were pretty specific that he incorporated into his style. And that's what he taught. And he he would set up, every fight would be set up with either a low kick or an elbow to get in close to the clinch, uh, hit a throw, get him onto the ground, and either arm lock him or choke him.
0: This is from Maeda, you're saying?
1: Yeah, this is Maeda's. Um, that was his like go-to uh, fighting style to get mm-hmm. it to the to the ground to to finish the fight and all these prize fights that he did and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting because we know throughout history from the film with the Gracies, it's exactly what they did. Yeah, um, yeah, that's They that's used true. The, the the front kick to set up the clinch. They didn't do judo throws. They kind of modified it to a let's just fall down together so that I'm on top of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it was still the same style. So they, they carried Maeda's style into there. And it just goes to show you, um, you know, that, that they were just doing what their instructor had taught them to do over the next several hundreds of years, you know, decades or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that was Maeda's style. Um, and he referred to it as jujitsu, which was weird because Kano created judo and he stopped calling it jujitsu. Maeda was a student of Kano, but when he went to Brazil, he never called it judo, he called it jiu-jitsu. It's very strange. I don't know why.
0: That is strange. I wonder, I don't know. I wonder if it was like some sort of language barrier. Or Either that or maybe a, a
1: way of separating it because maybe Maeda didn't want to call it judo because he felt that what he was teaching was not strictly judo and maybe it was, a, uh, you know, not, uh, it was kind of uh, disrespectful to call it judo whenever he wasn't teaching judo. Maybe, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, to, to further your point about how bad Maeda was with money, uh, he actually was sent to the United States. Did you did you say this? Uh, no, you, you were talking about he was prize fighting uh, mm-hmm. for money. So when he was sent to the United States, he was sent there um, partially to open up Kodokan Judo centers. Um, yes. And, yeah. and he was and run them for profit and his expenses were supposed to come out of that. Um, but because (laughs) Maeda apparently was like ill prepared and just like spent all the money (laughs) or whatever. I don't know what what the fuck he did. It never
1: tells you where his money goes. Yeah. I just assumed that it was just on, I mean, he was spending it on, on the same things that everybody else was spending money on at the time, which was prostitutes and alcohol.
0: Yeah. The book, the book, the toughest man that ever lived, uh, says Maeda, Maeda's woes, uh, with this creative accounting would dog him for the rest of his life. (laughs) yes exactly <laughs> i feel you like, bro <laughs> i'm the maeda um, of my generation then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> time to get creative yeah <laughs> the um in his trip to america it did say that part of the reason that um then the judo never really took off in america initially in the beginning was because americans did not like the kata stuff um and so whenever they would do their demonstrations, you know, they would do these katas and the Americans didn't like that. And it's funny because nothing has changed. Like, yeah, I just picture like these guys go into this huge auditorium at the Naval Academy to give this amazing um, orient, um, oriental demonstration. And there's one guy in the back saying, stand them up. Stand <laughs> yeah. them up. Knees. Knees. <laughs> knees. Knees. Grab his neck. Well, it's like,
0: interesting that though th- like the United States is primarily where the surge of MMA uh happened, which is um the the no holds barred. Um, we want like the real the real fighting, you know. Um I mean it was it was formed primarily, I guess, in Brazil, but like the the united states is what took it and commercialized it
1: (laughs) you know like it's true made it bigger i mean and you know japan did a had a pretty big play in that too um but for some reason when the americans got a hold of it it really blew up because the japanese was doing this stuff years ago i mean hickson was fighting in japan at the same time that they were bringing the UFC to America, or they were in, incorporating it, which is the reason that we didn't ever get to see Hickson fight in the UFC mm. because he was making so much money in, J- in Japan. Stephanie's um,
0: bringing up a good point in our chat here that... um
1: Oh, I didn't even see it. You I know,
0: the, I, I just remembered it and looked up here. um the, the pictures, all the pictures of him are him dressed like super nice. I mean, he's dressed to the nines. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a picture of him dressed poorly and so maybe like he was living beyond his means like having the appearance of money was very important to him possibly that's
1: very that's a good point um and you see that in in most of those i mean think about it you know back in the day um you you see all these old movies and stuff like that you know and and as long as you had like a nice suit and nice shoes and a nice hat people just assumed you know they did they didn't have to know anything about you because there was no way of finding out about you
0: and being in an age yeah. whenever the Japanese were looked down upon in the- Ameri- in Americas, I'd imagine that's even more important to look like you were more well established you right know? yeah um that that burden could be more significant i guess, but who knows oh, Especially. yeah there's so many well, there's so many issues for all we know he could be like a total opiate addict you know oh, yeah. that it was like yeah,
1: that's something else we never you know that was really huge at the time <laughs> yeah um
0: that would be that would be an, an interesting thing to find out <laughs> he was like he was just totally fucking making it up the whole time fried out of his mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> he's like no what uh, i didn't fight anybody <laughs> no, one person yeah i can't believe you guys
1: are still writing this down
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh give me uh, some more opiate i'll tell you some more there's <laughs> some more opium <laughs>
1: Up Uh, until like 1925, that's where, so Maeda pretty much did the prize fighting thing from like the, you know, 1900 up until like 1925 is, and around 1925 is where he started working to bring uh, Japanese immigrants into Brazil. Like that became like his life's work, mm -hmm. um, and what he was really more so kind of working toward. Um, and he actually ended up basically telling Japanese immigrants like, Hey, don't go to America. They fucking hate us there. Come to Brazil. It's cool. I got some hookups. I got a little bit of land over here. I'm hooking up with two. Like come on over. I will take care of you over here and nobody's going to be mean to you. Um and that's essentially how that's the such Japanese a funny. Uh,
0: Can you imagine uh, the ads? No one will be no one will be mean to you here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone will play come nice.
1: On, come on. <laughs> yeah. are, no one's going to be mean to you here. <laughs>
0: Come to Brazil. No one will take your lunch money. <laughs> that's right. No um, bully zone. Yeah, that, I think uh, uh, that's something that m- maybe that people that haven't been to Brazil might find surprising is that there's a huge Japanese population in Brazil. Um, I imagine. I mean, I don't think a lot Maeda of people was, was like realize Amazons. that. Yeah. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a really, really large Japanese population in Brazil. I think it's a lot probably due to those efforts. Um, but who knows? Uh, somebody knows i'm sure was it maybe world war ii did something happen during world war ii that a lot of japanese went to brazil
1: no um you're thinking of germans a lot of germans went to brazil
0: in world war ii or after world war
1: one world war one where did we when did we fight the germans (laughs) i thought we fought them both times Uh, we
0: fought
1: the japanese one time
0: yeah in world war ii for sure
1: then, okay, then, yeah, World War I is when we fought the Germans.
0: Wait, where's Japan? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Dude, we, Alex is going to give me so much shit because I'm in the military, and I don't know.
0: We've got to stop with, like, anything that involves geography or... And time frames. Yeah, time, time frames. Faster. That's really my biggest thing. I could literally, if I say yesterday, that's any day before about two days ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> That's why I just say the other day because yeah. that encompasses the last five years. Right,
0: <laughs> Lizzie gets so mad at me about that. I'm like, the other day you said this, and she's like, no, I didn't. And I'm like, yeah, it was like five months ago. You remember? Like we were both there. Yeah, that's and that's exactly what ha- what's wrong with how history is written down <laughs> is because and that's my problem with uh, I hate to I hate to go there, but with the Bible, that's what that's what I. <laughs> It's one of the problems that I have is it's all um stories that have been told and then written down. Um World War Two, we fought Japan, nineteen forty one. It was uh interestingly enough, nineteen forty one is also the same year that Maeda died. So was Maeda's yeah, so, death uh part um, uh starting World War Two? Yes. I think <laughs> South- conspiracy uh, Based on the evidence, yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> Based on the evidence <laughs> that I see here, uh, World War II created jujitsu, and uh, Maeda started Maeda World War II. Started World War II. His death did. Honestly, we would be in peace right now if it weren't for that. Um,
1: One of the things that it talked about with the Japanese Im- Im- uh, immigrants that Maeda brought in, um, a lot of them went like into serious debt because they they didn't understand the Brazilian diet. So they didn't understand... They didn't want to eat the same foods that the Brazilians were eating. Mm. And so they went to a shit ton of debt um, because they, they were growing rice and eggplants and tomatoes and all these different vegetables. And yet nobody... So the reason they went into debt was not because they didn't want to eat Brazilian food. It's because they were trying to grow crops that they were used to growing in Japan, but the Brazilians didn't eat it.
0: Yeah. So they were probably and trying so they to were, bring over... Their, yeah they were yeah so nobody culture. wanted
1: to buy the food that they were selling at the markets you know i you know i've
0: heard about interesting like problems with uh so in germany walmart has tried to move over there and i guess it struggled because the germans prefer to go to different markets to pick up their food like to go mm-hmm. to a, a butcher to get their meat and go to a somewhere else to get their whatever groceries rather than going to an all-encompassing one store um but that's interesting that like when people try to bring those some of those ideas over how a culture will just completely reject it and oh yeah there's no real reason why you know like they're just like no we're not going to accept that one thing that you guys are trying to bring over you guys can live here it's cool but we don't want your food
1: <laughs> leave but, your rice and beans at the door
0: yeah and then Americans are like all right listen we like your food, but we're going to completely change it. We're still going to yeah, call it we're Chinese gonna call it a food. Hamburger. We're still going to call it Chinese food, but it's going to be something yeah, completely different. Even,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to we're only going to take the parts that we like, which we, are We want your shrimp, culture represented.
0: Want <laughs> <laughs> your as yeah. shit. We don't want it. <laughs> That's exactly what the whole thing is. Um, do we have any like authentic authentic food that is In like America like Americans I, well yeah like what what is what would be an American food like cornbread
1: um no that came from uh, that's a, a Creole dish from Africa um, I only know that because of my I'm from Louisiana yeah, um, well, yeah. But it, it's not because I have any education in the in culinary arts. Oh, okay,
0: there was a, Jap- a Japanese and Brazilian immigration agreement. When was that, Stephanie? Can you look that up for us? Should have been around 1925. nineteen twenty five. Nineteen twenty five. I don't know. Um, yeah, that makes. So they just they're just like, hey, why don't you come on over to our country? How does that work? How does an immigration agreement? Well, they work?
1: were. Remember, I was telling you last time. Part of it was because they were trying to take advantage of Japanese labor.
0: Oh, okay, so, yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, it came whenever whenever um, African slavery was abolished pretty much in the in the world.
0: People were like, who else can we make slaves? Yeah, that's exactly what ended <laughs> up
1: happening. They are like, who else is really hardworking and doesn't ask a lot of questions? Yeah. Hmm. You know, and so they kind of turned it over like, you know, this big deal that they were going to like, you know, it was going to be this ama- Like, hey, come to Brazil. Like, we're, we're not going to be mean to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what a good what a good
0: selling strategy we need Such to a good uh, slogan yeah come to arkansas we won't be mean to y'all <laughs> 1908 okay 1908 uh, oh, so that was a
1: that was uh, in the beginning Yeah. i that's feel like
0: of, that had to have gone with some war there had to have been some war that happened the war of 1908 yeah is that is that a real war Mm-mm. okay what's the war of 19 the 18, war of 1912 1912 there we go um Man, we need to we need to recategorize this podcast into a history podcast, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um because just... we're spitting straight facts here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, surely there was some war that happened that created that uh immigration
1: I really agreement. think it was the abolishment of, of uh slavery about the world. Yeah. African slavery.
0: Okay. Well, okay, then our civil war. Americans mm-hmm. solved it. We cured uh slavery. For the rest of the world, you're welcome. We
1: cured slavery.
0: And, <laughs> this is a disease. and uh, by 1908, they were looking for new slaves.
1: Let me see here.
0: So, hmm, that's pretty... That's <laughs> that's uh, history according to Johnny. We need to have segments well, that... of that.
1: <laughs> I was trying to see when... So normally it would be a Stephanie's job, but...
0: We're not in studio. Yeah. I mean, Stephanie, come on. Hello. Oh my gosh, <laughs> she just
1: sent oh. <laughs> a bomb.
0: Okay. Uh, on June eighth, June eighteenth, nineteen oh eight, the first Japanese immigrants arrived in Brazil aboard the Casado Maru. A new era was about to start for Brazilian culture and ethnicity, but permanence was not first and foremost in the mind of the newly arrived workers. Who had responded to the appeal of a Japanese-Brazil immigration agreement. Most of them had imagined their trip as a temporary endeavor, a way to achieve prosperity before returning to their native country. The trip from Kobe, I'm assuming, right? It's not Kobe. Uh, <laughs> to oh uh, no, wait, wait, the trip from Kobe to the Santos port in Sao Paulo State lasted 52 days. Besides 781 workers bound, uh, well, <laughs> 781 workers bound by the immigration agreement, there were also 12 independent passengers. The Friendship, Trade, and Navigation Treaty, which made the trip possible, had been signed in Paris in 1895. However, a crisis. When was the Civil War? <laughs> Civil War was the
1: 19th <laughs> century. When no, was I'm our Civil it was, War?
0: It was like Civil War was. Oh, I'm not even gonna say it. I don't even. I'm not even gonna say a date because it's gonna be. I know it's gonna be so far off. Um, no, I'm not even gonna go down that.
1: 1861 to 1865. Okay, there God you go. damn it, Stephanie beat me to it.
0: There's the proof.
1: So good job, Stephanie. It says, it says right here, it says besides 781 workers bound by the immigration agreement, um, um and they called it the Friendship <laughs> Trade and Navigation Treaty. But that's where it says, however, a crisis in the Brazilian coffee industry, which lasted until 1906, had delayed the first entry of Japanese immigrants. That coffee industry, that crisis there, that was part of that because I read about it where they were using African slaves in the Brazilian coffee industry as migrant workers. And then when they got rid of that and they weren't allowed to do that anymore, that's what developed the crisis. And then that's whenever they were like, hey, we'll just bring Japanese workers in and we'll pay them a slave labor and it'll be all the same. So that's why you see the 781 workers that were bound by this immigration agreement. They all agreed to come and work in the coffee fields uh, in Brazil in exchange for whatever. But I think it's funny they call it the Friendship Treaty, also known as the We Will Not Be Mean to You Treaty. (laughs) Um, I just found also
0: you're talking about um, that Mitsui Maeda was not the first person in Brazil teaching jiu-jitsu. And these were not... um, these were not the first brazilian students it was sato miyako um in 1909 was a japanese fighter and teacher um and then there was a brazilian teacher of jiu-jitsu from no later than 1913 his name was mario Ale- alexo hmm. uh, and he claimed to learn from sato miyako that's pretty interesting okay so that even goes further back. So 1909 with Sado Miyako. I've never heard, I've never even heard that name. Honestly. Yeah, it's
1: weird that, um, that Maeda, like we, like we, we have evidence that says that there were other Japanese teaching jujitsu in Brazil before Maeda and alongside of Maeda. Mm. We also know that now we know that that group included Sataki, who ended up going on and, being uh, Luis Franca's instructor in the Flavelas. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, why did Maeda, what made Maeda get all the attention and not the other guys who were there doing the exact same thing? Um, and I think it was the prize fighting because it doesn't talk a lot about Sataki or any of the other guys doing a whole lot of the prize fighting and stuff like that and getting involved in all that. So
0: I know I Raku think... did a little bit, that guy Raku that I was talking about. <laughs> Um, cause they were talking about him in this book is like, he was a, he was a badass. He had a couple like, so what they would do, um, is really, really interesting because it was basically like mixed martial arts. They would have challengers come in from like Greco Roman, um, national champion of Mexico or, oh, yeah. um, there's another style. I can't remember what it's called, um, or what they would call it, but it was like a, it was like a luta libre kind of thing. Um, and the champion of brazil or whatever would come in and fight these guys and that's kind of what their prize fighting setup was and that would happen usually at circuses um or some something i guess that resembles a circus is what i'm gathering
1: isn't that how the catch wrestling guys yeah did the yeah same thing, the right? catch wrestling yeah. yeah
0: yeah that's very true and there was a lot of catch wrestlers too that were going over and challenging mm-hmm. them
1: because um, i know um Billy Robinson talked about that and about, you know, getting the starts, getting their starts in the circus, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's another person that I wanted. you, did you, did you see Mm -hmm. the, did you get my point on the, I had seen a text about or you guys a text about what was it doing? One on Gene LaBelle, Billy Robinson. Yeah. And then, yeah, that'd be super cool. So that'd be like kind of a, a judo guy, a catch wrestler guy. And then I was thinking maybe like, we could find like a Sambo guy of the same kind of
1: Gokor Chibician.
0: Okay, there we go. Yeah. So we could do we could do all three of those. Is he like a, of that came, era? Uh, I don't know anything about Gokor.
1: Yeah, Gokor was Max Bishop's um highest instructor and um Roley trained with um, Max under the highest I think Roly has some uh, some a uh, rank in highest in as well, uh, yeah. which was what Gokor did. Yeah. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, what's her name? Ronda Rousey trained with Gokor a little bit mm-hmm. whenever Gokor was training with Gene at his gym. And so Ronda Rousey actually came up as a highest end fighter with judo, with a judo background. Because um, I remember when I first started hearing about Ronda Rousey, probably around, oh man, it would have been, oh shit, 2000. See, I moved here in 2009. So this would have been around 2011. I think is when I started hearing about Ronda Rousey and I have no idea when she made her debut in the UFC. I I don't remember. I just know that Max Bishop was talking about her because he was going out to California and training and he kept coming back and was just like, man, there's this girl, there's this fighter, you know, she's a judo medalist and and she's going to be the next big thing. You just wait, keep watching, keep watching. And sure enough, boom, she became Ronda Rousey. And I was like, Oh God, you know? Um, But she had a, anyway, yeah, she was with those, the Jean LaBelle, go core guys and all that stuff. So out in California.
0: Anyways, that's what I, yeah. I were thinking about doing a, a yeah, series similar yeah, so. to this on those guys. I think that'd be pretty cool. Luta, Luta Romano is what they called it. Romana. Um, which I think that's actually just Greco Roman wrestling. Pretty much Luta Romano Romana. God, I'm screwing that up bad. Um, I guess that's just a style of fighting um was first introduced as an entertainment attraction but it could be practiced as an amateur sport and eventually was um and then they go on to describe an event that had, had happened um hmm so I guess Luto luto Romano was like a theatric the theatric version of it
1: maybe kind of went on and that's where some of the professional wrestling roots come from maybe
0: yeah and th- that's kind of interesting because it it really does um it it seems to mirror uh catch wrestling and how it came up through that and so my there's
1: pictures of uh, maeda doing catch wrestling like actually doing nogi you know with no no kimono just a pair of, you know pants or whatever and, and mm-hmm. he's like he's putting people in catch wrestling holds and mm-hmm. stuff
0: so they call Maeda the Johnny Appleseed of judo. Um, but w- who would be a uh, a Johnny Appleseed of catch wrestling of that same era? You know, uh, yeah, was, I it around, know because... was it around then? Well, I mean, it says Luta Romano. We need to look up. Um, we need to look into like Greco-Roman wrestlers of that era and kind of see what they were doing. That'd be pretty interesting and see if there's anything that came of that. You know? No.
1: No, I I mean, there has to be a history no different than what Maeda has. You know, there had to be a catch wrestling version of Maeda. There had to be a Greco roaming version of you know what I mean? Like yeah. every one of those sports, they were trying to do the same thing. I mean so America- and that's
0: where that goes back to your point too. What made Maeda special
1: Right, and Stephanie said he was known as kind of being like the loud mouth, you know, I'll fight anybody anywhere anytime. Um, which the more the more we find out about his personality being a loud mouth and a and aI'll fight anybody, and also his terrible financial ability it really I think he was just a drunk. I think that's what's coming down to. I think maybe the guy would just go to bars. Blow his money on on alcohol, opium, and prostitutes, and then start yelling that he would fight anybody in the bar.
0: <laughs> well, I was I'm starting to see like the the traits that everybody dogs on about the Gracies. You you see a mirror of that in Maeda, you know, like yes, the Gracies doing like the Gracie challenge and that kind of thing. Will fight anybody. That's what Maeda was doing. The whole prize fighting thing. Bad with money. <laughs> Um all of that I feel like you and then their their style of fighting too, you really see a lot of uh the reflections there between the that's two. what I
1: did think was very interesting was when I started to find out like you said like you you find out that the student is just mimicking the master that's that's all it was, you know, like they only knew what they were taught the speaking of the Gracies, you know um. Which also kind of seems interesting if you think about it, because Luis Franca, who trained a little bit under Maeda, but most of his time was spent under Satake, is almost an unheard of person. Mm. So you know, Satake came along with Maeda, but was obviously the you know the quieter, maybe you know the more sullen instructor. And you see that in his students, you know, the the quiet professionals versus the you know the loudmouth. And,
0: and how much prize ruckus. fighting was Franco doing? I mean, I imagine just I don't the, know given the time, many. Uh, I imagine because of just the time period that he would have done some, because it seems like everybody was doing it or was like that was doing jujitsu was required to. It seems like you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was just a part of the time, um, a little bit like when we were looking at. American Rough and Tumble, they were saying like that was you needed to be ready to have a fight like that about every week, <laughs> you know, like um, right. and so, it, yeah, I don't know. It, I wonder how much he pro- he did prize fighting again, because Maeda's prize fighting and Gracie's um, their their capitalist mindset and their uh, building upon that all they're doing is, is setting up price fights for themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, that's what the the, entire UFC is. The same
1: thing that made Maeda super famous and well-known ended up making the Gracie just as well, well Mm -hmm. well-known. You know, it's, they, they became part of that Brazilian fighting family and everybody knew about them. And then, so here's to America. Here's when, you know, their story is told.
0: Here's another thing too, that I'm just now putting together. Um, Stephanie goes back to talking about Maeda's style. How much he he loved to be, we think that we assume that he uh, wanted to appear well dressed all the time, Um, and the Gracies offering to uh, you you know the the notorious line of the Gracies like only doing it for the rich, Um, and and the poor weren't able to do jujitsu. Again, might reflect uh, Maeda's style.
1: Oh yeah, he. I didn't think about that either. You know, this that that'd be an interesting rabbit hole. You know, this idea that that they sold it to the customers that their master said were deserving of it. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, like if it's, if Maeda was was worried about his image and stuff, and it sounds like Kano was was trying to run judo. Um, oh yeah, he wanted to grow for, it so he could make profit. money off of it. Yeah. that was the idea. And so it sounds like these, these ideas are just passed down from, from one to the next and maybe got diluted along the way um, and muddy, but it's, it, they, they reflect each, each generation it seems like. Um, yeah.
1: And it's no different than, I mean, I mean, you don't, you don't run an academy for free, you know? Right. Yeah. And um, so it's funny how all these people are like, well, they only taught it to the rich and blah, 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 blah. Motherfucker, if you're starting a business, you're not going to go start a business somewhere where you're going to make zero dollars. Yeah. And, you know, like we're, we're, we're so, we think we're so much better than, than them, you know, somehow that we are the samurais and that we have this Japanese, you know, Bushido in us because we would never do, bitch. That's yeah. exactly what you would do.
0: Exactly. And you're, you're the poor person that's saying, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, i think it's important to give you know for those people in those positions to give back though where they can Mm -hmm. um and honestly i think from what i've seen like the the gracies have seemed to do that now you know like
1: they well they did back then too you just didn't hear a lot about it like they might do it
0: in their ways that favor them but
1: yeah yeah because um Robert Drysdale is, you know, is it, is it Robert Drysdale? Who's doing the uh, yeah, Open Guard Drysdale. documentary? Close yeah, guard. close guard. So when that thing comes out, I think we're going to see a lot of cool stuff. And He's basing it. He, so what what I'm
0: reading, what I'm like, I'm typing in just different keywords through this book. The book that I'm reading through is the movie that is based off of, the movie is based off this book. Uh-huh. And so basically we're doing the, the podcast <laughs> the movie. <laughs> Go ahead, though.
1: Oh sorry, my uh my two year old was taking apart the uh what do you what, what is the thing? What's that thing called?
0: Oh yeah. I don't know what you're looking at, dude.
1: <laughs> the humidifier. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My, I see, put it back on there.
0: This is great. We can listen to uh Mitch raises kids via podcast.
1: <laughs> sorry, I had to I had to intervene. No, it's um, fine. She was taking the top off the humidifier and then she wanted to try to drink the water. Um and I don't know exactly what that does to a human, so <laughs>
0: yeah, be but
1: fun. um I don't remember what I was talking about. But
0: I, I interrupted you. Um I'm sorry. T- to to say something and I don't remember. Oh, oh, the Robert Drysdale Close Guard movie. Mm. This book Yeah, is, no, no, yeah.
1: that's that was one of the the um interviews that I saw. They were interviewing one of the one of the really old 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 um, original Brazilian fighters and he was saying that he was telling a story about how Elio had taken in this young kid um let him train for free gave him food gave him a job you know like so he, they did take in people and, and offer them work and, and things like that to try to help them get on their feet but also he talks about how this was like a big strong kid um so I think ultimately the idea was yeah, we'll take you in. We'll take care of you. Here's some food. Here's some shelter. But we're also going to train you how to be a fighter so we can make money off of you.
0: Yeah. And that's you know, but that's the reality. Boxing
1: of... gyms did that for years.
0: Oh, yeah. They have. Um, there's a lot of dirty, dirty stuff that goes into boxing. I want to start diving into like some boxing conspiracies because there's some dirty stuff that goes on in that.
1: Oh, I could only imagine.
0: Um, like, Don King is... I mean, everybody knows how... Scummy that guy is, but
1: have they done a have they done a movie about Don King? Like, is there like a? I feel like Jamie Fox played Don King in something. I don't know. It, I'm surprised if they haven't.
0: Maybe he was in the Muhammad Ali document or the Muhammad Ali. Maybe movie. I don't know. That would maybe. be a good like documentary to just dive into. Yeah, because um,
1: a lot of people know who Don King is, but they don't know what what grip and grasp he had within the boxing community.
0: Well, another one that's really weird is a guy named Al Heyman and. uh a lot of people hear about him but there's like there's seriously like three pictures of him on the internet and he's like one of the biggest boxing promoters in the world um and like uh, Floyd Mayweather like all these big time boxers like I owe everything to Al Heyman he's like one of the best and then other people are like that dude's a straight-up gangster like he's fucking dirty as hell things like that it's it's a weird weird situation um but that'd be another interesting one to go into we should go look and start researching the uh, dirty boxing promoters of our generation.
1: Oh, it shouldn't be too hard though. No,
0: they they're probably everywhere. They are everywhere. Um yeah, it sounds like what you would, the the thing that like I want to find something we're always like searching for something that's just like super shocking. Like, oh my god, here it is. Like this is the big the big news. In all of these like things that we research or look up, but they're like, they're almost always overwhel- or un- underwhelming.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like the, the Count Dante stuff was like, this guy's just a fucking weirdo, you know, like, <laughs> he's kind of a baller, but mostly a weirdo. And uh, all of it's just like, mm, all of these things that people say happened probably didn't really happen that way. And the truth is much more boring. I don't think that they could have,
1: you know, and and that's the difference between the past and the present is in the past, um, so we know now, other than Khabib Nurmagomedov, um, most men can be defeated. They're not larger than life. Um, They're just average men.
0: Khabib can be beat, come on.
1: He can be beat we've yet to see it but and i know that he can be beat everyone can be beat there was a time where i didn't think george st. pierre could lose and he lost twice you know so like um everyone can be beat but my point is is that like back then it was imp- everything was about selling because there was you you like teddy roosevelt like the guy is larger than life based on 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 spoken word you know and so like did he do a lot of crazy fucking stuff absolutely but he was still just a guy
0: and there's know? no but fact checking
1: Exactly. The legend that was built of him was built about him by people who, you know, were building him up. And so now you can fact check everything, you know, like. Dude, imagine
0: like, I can't imagine what it's like for our kids or for for your kids, (laughs) my soon to be kids. Um, For our kids, mine and Johnny's kids. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like for kids now to because they can't lie about anything. Mm -mm. Um, I guess maybe they can. There are ways to lie because of catfishing and, like, uh, hiding your identity. it's
1: a different version of lying, though, but it can't go for very long because eventually when you, like, catfishing is a perfect example. Like, at some point, you have to...
0: You end up on MTV.
1: Yeah, you end up on MTV and famous. Yeah,
0: but, Um, I mean, like, you can't go... You Remember in elementary school how much you lied to your friends? Like, oh, yeah, like, my dad did this, you know, and then, like... You, now you can't do that because you, you could say that and they're like, yeah, really? I follow your dad on Instagram. He didn't do any of that shit. <laughs>
1: you know, like, I lied a lot. I had um Oh,
0: I, I did too. It was horrible. Dude.
1: And it was the dumbest stuff. And most of the reasons that I lied was because I wanted to be cool and mm-hmm. I wasn't. And so I remember I was talking to these two kids. I remember the kids, his kid's name, his name was Jody. And he apparently had a shit ton of G.I. Joes, right? So this was in the third grade.
0: So and he was G.I. Jody?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so Tell me you called um, him that. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't witty enough.
0: I'm really disappointed,
1: (laughs) but he had a shit ton of GI Joes and they were him and another kid were talking about him and I just wanted to be cool. And so I started talking to him. Like I also had those same exact GI Joes. I hadn't owned a single GI Joe. My parents couldn't afford it. And so, but I had built it up. Like I had this giant collection of GI Joes. I had GI Joes that he had never heard of. (laughs) Like he, and now he wants to come to my house and play. And I can't. I can't ever let him come to my house. Yeah. I have to literally make excuses up so that he cannot come to my house because the second he comes to my house and wants to see my G.I. Joe collection, the gig is up.
0: I told a kid one time that uh, I was in the Mighty Ducks movie. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I totally, I was like, yeah, I was, I was in the movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, those are, I mean, those are the good old days. Nobody could fucking prove you wrong. Nobody no, could fact check that a one time.
1: Couldn't IMDB Because I told, uh, I told a guy that I was adopted and, um, because <laughs> I'm, there was, I had this neighbor and his parents, his dad was a, a, a pilot in the air force and in Japan, literally this kid, Kevin was left. <laughs> <laughs> you just saw that meme. <laughs> yeah, Quack. So all the meme Quack. Stephanie's Quack. yeah. Yeah, Quack. look, there's me right there in the background. You see it? Yeah, he's right there. But I had, um, I, for some reason I thought it was cool that this kid was adopted. Like, I don't know why, like I, because it was different and yeah. I but, told him that I was adopted too. I told this kid's parents that I was adopted. Well, then he came over to my house and he was talking to my mom and stuff. And then he goes, um, yeah, so Mitch, Mitchell tells me that he, he was, a, you guys adopted him as well. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Man, we I had just, like. I didn't have to do, it, so I ran away. I remember,
0: you remember, like, you. I wanted to have a cast on my leg because, like, everybody gave attention to the kid <laughs> that, like, broke his leg or whatever, you know? <laughs> yes. That kind of thing. But my point in going behind that was, like, imagine all of the stuff that uh, that you could get away with. You know, like, they're booking you for a carnival, for your big fight at a carnival, and uh, they're like, so how many times have you lost? You're like, mm, Never. <laughs> None. Not not one time. Not at all. Like, oh wow, that's that's amazing. (laughs) I'm gonna write that down. We're gonna use that, okay? I mean, like, who's gonna again? Like, who's gonna? Nobody can say any anything else. I don't even know how people got caught for crimes back then. Honestly,
1: they didn't. That's why we had so many serial killers in the '80s.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that would. I mean, you could do. You could. People were having. People had two families. You know, like. Mm There were dudes that had like a whole nother family going on in the background. You could, there's no way I'd even dream of it now.
1: There's no, no. Oh it's, my gosh.
0: It's
1: too hard. I mean, just with Facebook alone, it's impossible. You know what I mean? Like,
0: you would have to you, have you, a you completely just... separate phone number. Yeah. For sure. And a different address. Complete separate identity. We should, we should do that. We should try to catfish somebody into a, a second relationship try to build a a rough and tumble relationship that's like all three of us on discord <laughs> manipulating some poor soul's life we're uh, wouldn't that well, be from great watching fun?
1: 90 day fiance it's not that hard
0: oh isn't that show great what a oh. what part are you on
1: right now i'm watching so there's the 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 fat old lady Who's trying to marry the Nigerian? Who is also a uh, a rapper? Um,
0: Okay, yeah. Soja boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Not to be confused with Soja boy. (laughs) Um, And I just watched the episode where his he's trying to get his mom's permission to let them get married, and she's like, "No, you're not marrying an old woman." (laughs) Have you watched? Which totally makes sense, though, right? Right. Well, like, dude, again,
0: anybody that watches those, you, you just watch those shows, and you're like. What are these people doing? Like, come on. Uh,
1: the black lady that has been dating the guy over the internet, but she's never actually talked to him or seen him. Mm-hmm. And then she gets the email that says we're gonna um we're gonna send up we're gonna put all your picture dirty pictures all over the internet if you don't send us money. <laughs> and she honestly believes that it's actually going to happen.
0: That's awesome. She man.
1: acts like she's never seen an email scam in her life.
0: Oh, wait a minute. I forgot that I have big news for this week. I can't go into specific details, but oh buddy, have I been smitten with myself for a good three days i haven't I have had a grin on my face since the day I found out, and Mitch both of Mitch and Stephanie already know this, but I have to tell the world uh I just found out that this person that I know uh not like well. I don't know them like. We've talked maybe one, I could count the number of times we've talked on one hand probably, and uh, but I found out that they do like full on porn.
1: <laughs> and it's it's terrible porn. I looked at it. It is not good.
0: No, it's weird. It's it really is is uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable to watch. But also, <laughs> I'm like super stoked about it because, dude. There's been nothing that in my life more exciting than this right now.
1: <laughs> uh, like that's a, not true. Now, I'm having a child. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. Yeah, next to having a child, it's like I said the other night when we were talking about it. Like from looking at her, um, her repertoire of work, it literally looks like she's the chick that like the producer comes in the room and is like, "Okay, we need Bethany. You're going to you're going to put this." Inside of this, while this guy wears this mask and does this, 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 and this, and the chick's like, "I'm not fucking doing that." And then this girl goes, "Oh, I'll do it." Yeah, like that's that's what her porn is. Because the one I did see, what was it like? It was two gay dudes. She's having sex with two gay dudes. or yeah. something like that? yeah.
0: Let's not get too far into details. <laughs> I don't want to like. <laughs> I don't want to like end up calling somebody you don't out. You
1: know? listen and go. They're talking about me. Yeah,
0: um, <laughs> not that she ever well, she ever would, but uh i just don't want to be that person but i also i am that person and i'm so excited
1: (laughs) that i uh, I found out that um, i found this out i found out that our valedictorian from my high school um went on to do the exact same thing but not nearly to that capacity um because i was just talking to a buddy of mine and we were just uh, you know he had he actually graduated from that high school i had ended up moving to a new high school so i didn't really keep up with all those people and I was just like, yeah, how so-and-so doing? And he's like, Oh, they're doing great. They had a bunch of kids. They did this or whatever. And then we get to this particular person and he's like, Oh yeah. Um, and she does porn. And I was like, what? <laughs> she was our valedictorian. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and her porn name was not too far off from her actual name. It was fairly creative. And, um, so he showed me and it was all softcore, Like, you know, she was real classy girl <laughs> and, uh, but so, I guess she used it to help pay for her psychology degree, which is even more ironic. Yeah, um, that is from the University of uh, at Louisiana Tech, actually. So a couple Gothic of alum game. out there probably know her. Um,
0: well, the thing that's most exciting to me is like I got to follow this person on Instagram for a good like th- uh, four, five years, something like that. Whenever the last time I was single. And then just think that this was an average, everyday person. And then... All of a sudden, one day I saw one tiny little hint and that got me on the, dude, I was like, oh man, I got to find this. I went deep down their their, their uh, Instagram, their Twitter and to their Twitter friends and followers <laughs> and then I finally found it. I'm so proud of myself, dude. I'm so, I'm just so stoked. It's, uh, I'd like to thank the Academy, uh, you know, my mom and dad, <laughs> I'd like to thank them. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> there ought to be an award, man. Oh, man, it's it's been a good week. Just been really blessed.
1: <laughs> um, I will say that the girl that um that I knew who ended up doing softcore after she got done, mm-hmm. um I think she had all her content removed. You can do that? I I guess so because I have not been able to go back and find like when I first found out, if I typed in her porn name, all that stuff came up.
0: Yeah, why were and you now when I it? Why were you going in? back and trying to find it out?
1: Well, because I wanted to. I was just doing it right now to see if she was for doing research. It you know, <laughs> yeah, it was for research. I wasn't doing it because you know. But um, yeah, I think she had all that stuff removed. I don't know if you can do it or not, but she probably did.
0: It's just, it's just such a, um, such a surprise, and it would if anybody, absolutely anybody like put some kind of hint out there i'd be all over it the same <laughs> like it doesn't matter there's another person i went to high school with that um i found that out about and i was super i've been super well, dude, amped about
1: the amount of porn that i watch on a regular basis and it might have you know film actresses that are in those movies yeah there's there's guys like me and you making these discoveries every day because of websites. Like Man, that, you know?
0: my next goal is to run across one completely naturally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, There's a uh, couple of times where I thought I did that.
0: Oh, me too. Um, but just to be looking at, at porn one day and then be like, I know this person. I think I'm I just sure. I'll have a heart attack. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know one of the girls from... Remember the origin, original Girls Gone Wild? Oh, yeah. Um, I was. They had a New Orleans edition one time and I didn't watch the movie or anything like that, but, you know, at th- 3 o'clock in the morning, they would do all the advertisements for it and stuff like that, yeah, you know? And I remember seeing one of the advertisements for the Girls Gone Wild in New Orleans, and it 100% looked like a girl I went to high school with, but I never watched the movie. So, I mean, for all I know, I watched the movie, and I'm like, oh, that's definitely not her. But, like, that snippet that it showed, <laughs> for years, I was like, that is Jennifer. <laughs> that is 100% Jennifer.
0: We had, a, uh, we had a substitute teacher that apparently was on one of those... Um when they came to Fayetteville or something, and all of the, all the high school guys were like super stoked about it,
1: of course they were, yeah,
0: man, like we were to oh we were talking about um last episode was it last episode? I don't remember we were talking about like the first the first time you saw boobs <laughs> <laughs> uh was it like a weird situation, or was it? Who's had a pleasant time the first time they've ever seen like the opposite sex uh genitalia for the first time? Well, that could be I'm a, to that remember. could be a deep and scary road to go down if we're not
1: careful. <laughs> I was just trying to remember the first time I actually ever felt my first boob in like a a situation like that. I'll tell ever. you mine because I've
0: got a good story for it. Um, I, when I was a kid, we had these like this rock quarry, um, that I lived maybe like three blocks from, and uh, you we would like we would like walk across this field and through this ditch, up a big hill, and then you're at this rock quarry, and I have like I have no idea how I didn't die um, hanging out at this rock quarry because there's like, bombs that were murdered there and stuff. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm like, me and my friend were coming up this big ass hill to come over to the top of the rock to the rock quarry um and as i'm hiking up the hill i see this this woman's breast is uh on <laughs> like full-on boob and i'm like oh my god and i freak out and i and my friend goes what is it and he like starts to run up and i go nothing and i push him down the hill <laughs> and then i scramble back over the hill and uh but like two people were just having sex right there at the rock quarry and uh I got to be, you know, a part of that special moment for about 5 seconds.
1: And they made she a special was moment for me. Disappointed the first time she saw a penis.
0: Yeah, uh Stephanie well, just advanced to level 4.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know how did that happen? She went from like right after she posted the uh the first time I saw a penis I thought it would look at.
0: <laughs> she got level 4 for that.
1: <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> Stephanie. Um yeah, there's I like a remember thinking that um a girl's vagina was right below their belly button. It makes sense. It does make sense and I thought that into my teenage years.
0: I told you I thought that uh I can't wait to like, you know, screw up my child and like tell them weird things. But I I remember thinking that my like men grown men uh didn't poop because it was <laughs> such a is such a thing to like stand up and pee, you know? Like I thought I was training f- to one day not sit down on the toilet anymore does that make sense <laughs> you know like because like first step was like get him to go into the toilet and then i got that and then i thought that like my next progression was like good well, now you don't have to sit down on the toilet anymore you just do it all standing <laughs> <laughs> and so when i walked in on my dad i was like what uh yeah my whole life has been a lot <laughs> yeah and so around weird how figured you... that out around 16 17 <laughs>
1: It's so weird that uh, you go from a kid sitting on the on the toilet to pee, and then as you get older, you're taught like, no, boys stand. So then we're peeing on trees out in the woods, and you know we're doing all this boy stuff. And then you turn into a thirty-year-old and you start sitting down again.
0: Yeah, (laughs) because you want to look at your phone. (laughs) Yeah,
1: because I don't have time. I I got other things to do other than stand up.
0: I wonder, you know, like I wonder if like if we went through thousands of years of us having phones. If suddenly, like, men wouldn't have penises anymore, like, we don't stand up anymore oh, to we go would
1: absolutely still have penises 100%. <laughs> no, because it's because all the jerking off that we're doing <laughs> that's true, phones. yeah. Uh, literally, it's going to get to the point where you see a phone and you just get a bone <laughs>
0: yeah. We're sexually attracted to phones now,
1: exactly. Like, you're going to start associating that, you know, women start to see that they're. They're not needed for for anything other than procreation. And I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just saying in the future. (laughs) Not yet, okay? Not yet, okay? We're We're talking about like
0: 2030.
1: Yeah. 2031, give or take. Yeah. Um, But we're on our way there, so.
0: We've got the sex dolls already. We could, Mm -hmm. If we attached our phones to our sex dolls, if they could like run on Bluetooth.
1: I believe Japan's already doing something like that. For sure,
0: yeah. There's got to be like... You can set your doll to a different mood, like give it angry eyebrows or something. And then, you know, like, uh,
1: angry eyebrows. Like, there's so much more to a face than eyebrows. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, like I would imagine that it would work like a like a character creator in a video game, <laughs> where you control the eyebrows and the cheekbones, the the eyes, like how open they are. Um, what if you wanted like a dead a dead fish kind of vibe, you know? Like, I want to... What would the eyebrows do then? I don't know. <laughs> they just... They don't make eye contact with you. There's got to be... Are there dolls that are trained to make eye contact, I wonder? Trained to make eye I mean... Well, I mean, like, the AI or whatever.
1: Oh, it's designed to stare at your face?
0: Yeah, like... Because they have, like, the facial tracking stuff. It doesn't seem like mm-hmm. it would be that far off for them to use... Uh, that stuff to, uh, in the eyes to make that more lifelike, that might be a million dollar idea right there. We could get on.
1: If only we had the um, the million dollars that that they exist. Yeah, if only we had a million dollars or a tech company that could do that for us.
0: Yeah, well, I've got some friends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know a couple. we'll, We'll get on it. Um, I've got a team.
0: Yeah, every once in a while, I'm just getting a whoop whoop, and I don't know where it's coming from. So that's going to be on the episodes. They're robotic. It's about $20,000. That's Mm -mm. who.
1: There's people that buy those.
0: If you have $20,000 to buy a sex robot, I guarantee you there's a woman out there that will accept $20,000 for your penis. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's a real life human woman Mm that will accept. I know
1: women um, like my ex-wife who would do it for far less than 20,000
0: Yeah, dude, I would do it for $20,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um sign me up. <laughs> I don't know what website that is that you get signed up on, but <laughs> Uh Yeah, like who's spending that kind of money on a on a it's sex called, doll? It's called
1: It's www. Yep, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: uh it just that blows my mind, dude. Like Maybe maybe it's a bunch of people, a bunch of dudes. I'm assuming it's mostly dudes. Um, we can't we can't discriminate. There's got to be some girls True. in there that are ordering these, um, but I'm assuming that it's it's probably like a bunch of tech nerd dudes that are saving up money and then buying it. Either that, or it's yeah. those guys that are like, they blow all of their money on a lot like Maeda did, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's bad with money um a lot like these tech guys are. see how I'm tying it together here um <clears throat> but you know how they're like they all they all have collections of like weird those weird dolls um mm-hmm. I don't know there's like a, there's all kinds of weird little doll figurines that the that people collect. I don't want to say those people. <laughs> But like, just people in general, Uh, because there's a, I've seen a lot of different people collecting those. I've never understood that personally, Um, but I'm all for something to waste my money on too. So
1: yeah, I'm always looking for the next thing to spend money on.
0: Yeah, Um, it's like one of my top five favorite things to do, Um, (laughs) which is a good thing that the economy is like down the toilet now.
1: (laughs) everything's so cheap right now. Yeah.
0: What's, uh, what's your, what's your forward plan into getting back into training? What's your, what's your, what's your forecast? I thought
1: about that. And, uh, so as of today, Mm -hmm. I have not done jujitsu in like three months.
0: Yeah. I haven't, I haven't done it for a while. Yeah.
1: I surprisingly haven't missed it. (laughs) <laughs> um, as much as I know, that sounds weird to hear from a black belt who makes a little bit of money on the side from teaching jujitsu. Um, I I I really I haven't. Um,
0: Did I I I have felt guilty for not missing it, but I yeah. I think it's like because don't get me wrong, it's absolutely one hundred percent my passion. I've been depressed because like there's there's this this vague light of. Jiu-jitsu might not be a thing anymore. You know, like that, oh, kind, yeah. of, like that kind of that kind of became today a thing and it wouldn't be a thing
1: Yeah. Um
0: well, it's been really bothering me that like, you know, this could just wipe out Jiu-jitsu. Um mm-hmm. and or my business, what I live off of. But I've I've I felt the same way. I felt like guilty for not missing it as much as I should. But we've done it for so long that That's it's what I'm getting at. It's just a nice you know, break. Yeah.
1: Yes. It's been a nice break. And, and, um, you know, I know, you know, cause I talked to Joey here and there, you know, and, and Joey, you know, he obviously, he has to keep his guys pumped. Um, you know, and, and, a big part of who he is, is, is part of, you know, um, his academy and his students, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And, and I think because, um, with me, since I'm, I'm a, I'm an on-staff coach, um, you know, I don't, none of my identity is really wrapped up in, in Mm jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's just something I do. It just is who I am and I, I, it's part of my life, but it it doesn't, I have no identity attached to it, I think. And so, um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like with you, you, you know, jujitsu is attached to your identity because you're a business owner. That's your income source. Same thing with Roley and Mr. Green and all these other Matt Hamilton, those guys, uh, Joey. Um, and on the flip side as a student, Because most of your friends are your training partners. Well, in in that sense, you know, the identity gets wrapped up in your social group. Well, with me, I've got such a big family and, you know, that I'm able to keep distracted per se. I guess that's a weird way of saying it. But um, I can fill my time and I can fill that void with other equally as important things like my family and and my children and, and other hobbies and things like that. So I think that's what it is. It's not that I'm I I don't not miss it. I've just been successful at filling the void in the meantime so that I don't have that void to, to miss, you know,
0: I have not, my mental health has definitely suffered because of it. But I also know that that's something that like, um, my, my mental health is a, is a pretty direct reflection of how often I've been training, you know, like Mm -hmm. that. And that's been the case for me for the past, like, 12 years um so that that was to be expected but the um yeah it's it's just been like kind of a nice break i'm ready to get back to it i'm I'm kind of like concerned about getting back to it because i'm like am i going to be like super driven once i get back in there or am i going to be like it's so much easier to be lazy it's so much harder to get back into shape um that kind Luckily of thing for
1: me that's one thing I did not do was I um, I still every day I'm still working out like um, yeah because I can't go to the gym not. and lift weights and stuff and I don't have a home gym um, I've really just been like nailing with sprints long distance running push-ups pull-ups body weights so, like I mean I'm, I'm working out every day so hopefully I'm doing enough yeah that when I do start I'm not far behind.
0: I'm about to start riding my bike again. It's starting to get nice enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than, dude, I've mowed the lawn. Like, that's the most exercise I've done. Um, and that's, again, like, I know that about myself. If if I don't have a reason uh, to, to work out, then I just won't do it. Um, sure. It's a character flaw in myself. You know, like, I don't have the, I just hate lifting weights. I cannot stand it. I did my it's like that uh I, I I'd much rather just do kickboxing or or train uh roll or whatever. That's a terrible habit that I've I well have. it's
1: it's one of the things that drives people to train is that you get to have an awesome time while also staying in shape. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so what happens with people who get out of shape after they stop training, it's because like for me, I was into fitness before I started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, so that will always be a part of it. Well, there's a lot of people whose Brazilian jiu-, jiu-, jiu jitsu is the fitness. So whenever that stops, the fitness stops.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. And the, yeah, I don't mind like working out in a class, like doing stuff like that. I enjoy doing those kinds of things. And I'll work out when I have to, um, like when I have, you know, I was doing my MMA fighting, I was lifting and stuff like that. But once I'm done with it, I'm done with it, dude. I'm also like, I hate it so much that I try and do it as quickly as I can. You know, like I used to go up to UCA and, and lift. Speaking of which, that's, a, that's another guest I keep telling myself we've got to get him on. My friend Robert, he's a strength and conditioning coach at Notre Dame. Um,
1: yeah, we definitely need to get him on. That'd be great to have him as a guest.
0: I'll give him a message today um, since we brought it up, and it'd be a good time to do that. Um, but I'd like to have him on. And but I'd go out there and just like, he'd have me do a workout, and I would just go through it as fast as i could because i hated doing all of it i wanted it over with and then i'd end up yakking all over the place (laughs) like oh my god i pushed it too hard um i absolutely hate having weight in my hands (laughs) i'm such a baby little girl
1: this pencil is getting heavy
0: yeah um can't even lift this remote but what so let's try and circle back around to (laughs) mitsuya maeda now that we've done enough injustice to his name, um, it's it's funny how like it's a it's an interesting uh, thing to be talking about right now because like all I can think to myself is that history repeats itself. Everything that we see happening with Mitsuyamaeda happened before him and happened after him. Um, it's the same kind of pitfalls in some varying degree in every single generation
1: and yeah, we're seeing it with Donaher right now.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a know, good point.
1: That That's really what that is. He, he didn't do, he's not doing anything different. He's not mm. doing anything that someone else has not already done. Um,
0: a more, maybe a more uh, popular and obvious example would be like Eddie Bravo. Yeah. Um, another perfect example yeah. of
1: an opportunity where somebody took something and made, uh, and it's all about marketing. That's really what it's come down to and that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, The reason that not many people know about Kano was because he didn't have the ability to do the marketing that Maeda was able to do. And then the reason that people know very little but a good bit about Maeda in comparison mm-hmm. to the Gracies is because the Gracies had more ability to market themselves. And it's gone on and on. And really, the best marketer is the one that writes their name in history.
0: Right. And uh, and so I think... In Eddie Bravo's case, I think he he turned it around and and I think he was honest with everybody and like, listen, I've, I didn't say that I made these up. I just renamed them right. to make sense for me um, and to kind of fit into my little system. Um, whereas it seems to me that John Donahue has kind of gone the opposite direction of like, this is the traditional, pure way to do it. This is the right way to do it kind of thing. Um as if he knows like some hidden secret behind it. A little bit like Hickson was doing with his invisible jujitsu crap. Um, it, it's th- those kind of ideas become really obnoxious because it's just the same shit. It's like when you go to a casino and you're like walking through the casino and it's like it's so obvious what they're doing. You know, like it's hard to understand sometimes why people get sucked into the trap. When you're standing, when you're walking through the casino and seeing all of the slot machines, you know, because you you see what they're trying to do. And it's not until you sit down at the slot machine and start putting money in and narrows your scope and then you're like, oh, now I'm hooked. Does that make any sense?
1: It does. Um, And I think people are are always looking for justification for their money. And so people spend money and, and, you know, nothing against hoist, Gracie, but. I know people that have spent hundreds of dollars to go to a Hoist Gracie seminar, and they were taught a headlock and a a basic judo takedown, and they go all over Facebook and say that it was an amazing experience and that, you know, they picked up the most incredible details that they've ever seen in their entire life, and it's all just them justifying the fact they just spent $200 to learn what their Purple Belt teacher was teaching them a year ago. Yeah. That's, that's what it is and, and that's okay there's not but like just call it what it is like call it what it is
0: that's an issue that i have with uh another another issue i have with lloyd irvin is uh-huh. his like car salesman kind of uh attitude about things about selling everything to the public and like doing uh oh you can get your black belt in three to four years or whatever that kind of thing watering it down I think that the...
1: that part was annoying where like started becoming this thing where like everyone was trying to get their black belt as fast as possible.
0: Yeah. And it's a... instead of
1: embracing the journey and, and putting the time in like, yeah, you're right. I remember flipping through all the um, magazines and Lloyd Irvin would have this little cartoon yeah. in there. and yeah, And it was always the same thing. Like, you know, learn the secrets of how this guy got his, judo black belt in one year and his jujitsu black belt in four years and became a world champion
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i see uh he he has like ads that run on facebook all the time that i see i got banned from commenting on him because i brought up his rape (laughs) stuff um but it's all and it's all people that are then turning around and and being like oh my gosh this is such amazing material master loiter and that kind of thing and uh Man, I, I think the internet is just like really screwed a lot of things. I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I fall victim to it myself. Like I'll scroll through Reddit and just read the the headlines and then I'll spout off, you know, like, oh, this happened in this place. And then you find out like that's that's completely not true at all. Um, and I think that that kind of thing happens in jiu-jitsu happens in everything but i think Mm -hmm. the internet does it um stephanie
1: asked what the difference between japanese jiu-jitsu and brazilian jiu-jitsu is if it depends on who you ask um i don't know
0: the technical differences but
1: there's no tech there's no difference like if if you if you ask um certain people mostly people in brazilian jiu-jitsu it's funny because all the people in brazilian jiu-jitsu all seem to know exactly what the right answer is uh, but the reality is, is, as we've learned throughout researching these characters, there's no difference. There's none. There's no difference between judo and jiu-jitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's all the same. It's, it's really the same.
0: It, it's uh, really like the, the rules that came up around each yeah. one of them, I think. Um,
1: now, Brazilian jiu-jitsu does use the guard more. Um, there was a uh, form of judo, and I, I'm going to fuck it up if I try, but it was like Kisan, <laughs> Kisan Judo um, focused more on the Niwaza side, which is the one that Maeda preferred, um, and it used a lot of guard, half guard, uh, passing the guard, things like that. Well, that was the, the system that Elio kind of draw, was drawn to because he was a smaller guy, and he had a hard time taking people down and throwing them and tackling them and stuff like that. Well, he found out, like, oh, if I just fall back and pull them into my legs, I can hold on to them, and then I can do all this Niwaza stuff from here. And so whenever people go, well, Japanese jiu-jitsu is this because it doesn't have really... No, it all has the same techniques. It's just different because different groups or troops, if you will, um, utilized their preferred methods from those different systems, I guess. Uh, Richard Warheim...
0: There's uh, a... So Mr. Dring actually he's a um he's a black belt in a style called weeping style jiu jitsu mm-hmm. and he's like
1: really like keto style almost
0: yeah um it a little bit if you took all of the, like the fluff out of aikido and mm-hmm. from what i've i've done like a couple seminars with them on it and from what i understand of it it's based around basically eight uh, wrist locks that are all kind of off of like um either same side grab or cross grab or same side cross grab with the same hand or whatever you know um and it fucking hurts (laughs) it's like the most painful thing in the world i don't like it
1: people have to people have to remember that jujitsu is not an actual thing it's a word that means you know what i mean like
0: yeah it's all made up you know,
1: like it's, it's yeah. It's it's not like if you say, well, I do jujitsu. Well, I do Japanese jujitsu. Well, like the thing is, is ju, jitsu. Like those are two separate words in Japanese, and they both mean something different. Like gentle art, or ryu means the way. You know, so you hear like ishin ryu karate is this way of karate, and so it's you have to understand that piece too. And like, like you said, weeping style jujitsu, like it's how do i say this it, ju- the word jiu jitsu is a concept it's not a style
0: yeah and it's it's based around like the you know and weeping style jiu jitsu in particular uh, as far as i know there's no sport as far as i know it's kind of like mm-hmm. a dying art like there's not many i have i have my first uh degree white belt in <laughs> weeping style jiu jitsu mm-hmm. so uh, you can say i'm a pretty big deal but the um it's it's kind of a dying art, but it's it's a situation where they're like this is the objective that we're trying to to get to. This is the problem that we're trying to solve in this scenario. And we build a martial art a system around it and it turns into a martial art. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's all that is. I think I think that M M A, mixed martial arts, and it already kinda has, will be a martial arts system and several years you know there's already gyms that are building curriculums yeah they're just MMA, MMA and, gyms yeah yeah and uh even Greg Jackson has his like own brand of martial Greg arts Jackson
1: system Pat Militich same thing um one thing I will say about the difference between Japanese jiu-jitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I think this is probably the the, the um most direct way of showing the true difference is that Japanese jiu-jitsu being is traditional as it is still utilizes the randori nuaza and kata. So Japanese jiu-jitsu has katas in it where just like karate and all that stuff, you, you actually have a kata, um, judo had katas and still does have katas. Um, so a lot of your traditional oh. traditional Japanese martial arts still incorporate not just the free rolling and the sparring, but also the kata part. Whereas Brazilian jitsu just has the sparring part and the reality is is what's i don't funny, think that's
0: it, i don't think that's true i think like you could consider um drilling that's what I was, and I was, movements I about is to answer
1: what i was getting ready to say oh, okay. as well yeah with the drilling stuff and everything yeah yeah and so what's funny you talk about everything comes back around full circle there was an explosion and eddie bravo did it where he created quote-unquote these warm-up drills yeah but they're just caught us So now there's no difference between Japanese jiu-jitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, especially now in today's version. We just call it drilling. We don't I, call it katas anymore.
0: I was calling that, um, so there for a while I was calling them Instagram katas because like you'd see people would film this big long yeah, transition. that's exactly what
1: that is. That's a kata. That's all that is is a kata. Yeah. But we call it, you know, we'll call it a run, you know, in skateboarding, we call it a run or whatever, but it's, it's a series of techniques strung together in a dance
0: yeah that's
1: and all it is the you the know? problem
0: yeah. is whenever um you don't do an even mix of both mm-hmm. then you run into situations like where you're building these elaborate s- situations that you might that you'll never be in you know or like yeah um what you mean. or having a person what? that doesn't oppose to what you're doing um
1: so then it's like now what do i do because yeah. i haven't yeah and i think that's where the traditional jiu i i think that Brazilian jiu-jitsu today has taken the, the or intent of what the katas were designed for and really utilized them for their intent, you know, to ve- to develop muscle memory. But luckily with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, in my opinion, we still have enough of the rolling, the actual live sparring, that allows for creative movement and, and learning pressures and things like that. Um, and then the drilling is something to kind of speed up your uh, reflexes.
0: Well, I'd heard uh... a um uh, a black belt speech given by somebody i don't remember who like you know you'll see those posted on youtube or whatever and watch them um and be like man i wish i could give a speech um <laughs> but uh this guy was talking about one of the things that attracted him to jiu-jitsu was the challenge of authority like hmm. you tell me that this move works okay we're gonna see if it works you know what i'm saying like yeah prove me wrong prove yeah yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna see if if this works now and i'm gonna test it or you know you go to your instructor and it's like now i'm gonna challenge my instructor and you might not necessarily like say that or you you shouldn't say that don't say that to your instructor but like you know how it is is you know like you're like this i mean you're still i'm gonna try and challenge this technique yeah
1: defeat the technique always you're always trying to beat the technique i mean if you arm lock me and you show me this is exactly how an arm lock should be done, well then I'm going to do what I can to make sure that it doesn't work for you the next time, which means now I have to improve my arm lock attack, which improves your arm lock defense. And we go back and forth, back and forth infinitely uh, until we have, you know,
0: and like, you know, you have a coach that tells you like, you can't do an arm bar this way. My first thought is like, watch me, (laughs) you know, like I'm going (laughs) to figure out a way to do it. Um, Yeah. and, And so it's, it's this challenge of authority. And I think, we go back to like what I was saying er earlier in the podcast was that um, all three of these scenarios, there's a heavy emphasis on a challenge of authority. They had somebody that like told them that this is the way that it has to be done. And they were like, no, I'm not going to do it that way. Like I'm going to kind of go and do it my own way. And it seems like it worked out for all of them. And I think a lot of them too, it doesn't seem like any, any of these situations were with ill intent. You know, like, no, I'm gonna break away from Kodokan and start my, uh, Gracie family jujitsu, and we're gonna be, we're gonna put you guys under whatever. You know, like nothing like that. It seems like it was just this natural progression of things, which is I interesting. Have, I would agree. Yeah, we should probably wrap up this episode. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's two hours now. I've been getting, I've been getting mean mugged. We're <laughs> supposed to be going to swim.
0: Oh yeah uh yeah we're at an hour and 45 minutes
1: okay yeah so. um it was a good episode though and hopefully people kind of got a better understanding of where maeda came from and and his role within the creation of, of what we now call brazilian jiu-jitsu hopefully uh, we i think confuse ultimately them what, too. what's going on is people are starting to realize like what you've been saying the entire time and that is is that everything is cyclical so i mean everything comes back around we're We've been seeing the same, re, re, not regurgitation, but the recreation, the same ethics, the same ideals are being recreated throughout history and martial arts. You even know? the same so, techniques. Kinda, yeah, even the same techniques. So Like
0: with this leg lock um, uh, new revolution that everybody's mm-hmm. been going over, it's like invigorated butterfly guard. And everybody's mm-hmm. going like, oh man, butterfly guard. It's this like crazy awesome thing. I'm like, oh yeah. Marcelo's
1: over here going, um. Yeah, God, guys. I was doing this back in the 90s.
0: <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's it's you're you're absolutely right it's all a big cycle it it all um and it seems to like that almost like it's a spiral like it uh every time it goes through one generation it gets a little bit more exaggerated Mm -hmm. you know like kano was doing his thing kind of disregarded what his father had told him he was like i want to do i want to learn jujitsu i'm going to create judo whatever then Maeda kind of disregarded what Kano said and said, I'm going to be a prize fighter and do this stuff. And then uh, later on, the Gracies disobeyed Maeda and s- started teaching jujitsu, jitsu um, supposedly. And so, yeah, it seems like it spirals upwards into a more exaggerated form each time, um, which is cool. We should find more things that we can relate that to. <laughs> Agreed. So... Anyways, this is a good episode. Thanks for coming to hang out with me, guys.
1: Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, uh, Stephanie, for... You didn't have to put yourself on mute the entire time, but I understand why you did.
0: Well, you know, I try to make sure I don't have anybody talk or open hands or anything. It's okay. Let me, uh... We always appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. All right. That's what I
1: appreciate about you.
0: Bye. Um... Oh, wait, All right, you we'll see you though? guys next week. All right, peace.
1: Bye.